Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Top Docs Radio, brought to you by Medical Association of Georgia. With over 7,800 physician members, MAG is pleased to advocate on behalf of Georgia's patients and physicians. Visit mag.org and on Twitter at mag1849. Join the conversation on Twitter at Top Docs on BRX. What is up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show, special edition of the uh, Medical Association of Georgia. We're dropping in on the stream here at 1.30 Eastern on a Tuesday, not usually on. We're usually uh, going on air every second and fourth Tuesday with Medical Association of Georgia's great guests uh, at 12. But they had an expert that they wanted to share with their members and continue our conversation that we've been having around some of the the payment models, the changes that have been coming around through CMS, like the merit-based incentive payment system and uh, alternative payment models that are out there right now, trying to share some information with their practices listeners out there so that they can begin to prepare for the changes that are going into place over the next few months uh, that will significantly change their experience. And and today, I've got the special treat of having Susan Moore of Medical Association of Georgia sitting in with us. She is the director of the third-party payer and health policy, and uh, I'm happy to have her with me in the studio today. Thanks for, for making time, Susan. It is a pleasure to be here. Now, from what I understand, our guest, Dr. Laura McCrary, and you Go way back. Talk about your 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 history and introduce us to to Laura. Our journey together. Yeah. Our journey together has has been over the past two years, where we started an implementation process of a project that we realized um, needed to kind of be be shifted up. And so we've been working really hard for two years to to come to where we are today with a suite of product and services that that we think will help our physicians. Uh, survive and thrive in this very challenging environment that is facing their practices today. Uh, So Dr. Laura McCrary, she is with Camco Health Solutions out of Kansas. She's been making lots of trips to Atlanta, mentoring me and and helping us develop a a product um, and, and a set of services that we think will be a solution, not just for the members of the Medical Association of Georgia, but for physicians throughout the country, utilizing the infrastructure of the medical society in each state in the country. And from what I understand, Medical Association of Georgia and Camco Health Solutions have established a partnership and calling it Healthy Paradigm, transforming the state's healthcare system into an IT solution that helps physicians make this transition, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. This is Laura, and uh, I just wanted to pr- see how much I appreciated Susan inviting me to be here today. Our work has predominantly been in Kansas up until this point, and we were created by the Kansas Medical Society. And about uh, five years ago, we really started building what began as a not-for-profit health information exchange. But over time, what we really realized is that we needed to have more than just a health information exchange. We really needed to take that data and be able to bring it into an enterprise data warehouse so that we could 
provide analytics and really actionable support back out to our doctors so that not only did they know um, what was the longitudinal medical record for their patient, but they also were getting real-time alerts regarding when patients received care at other locations or at hospitals. And also they were having the ability to look at, you know, whether or not their patients had received preventative care across many different practices, which were their highest risk patients, which patients were receiving care at different hospitals. And so what we really built was not only a health information exchange, but also the opportunity to really use that data to improve care for the patients. And as you mentioned earlier, start to really look forward to the transformation of healthcare through MIPS and the, and the alternative payment models. What's the health information exchange all about? Well, the easiest way really to think about this, the way I explain it to most people is that Doctors and hospitals now have electronic medical record systems. Most of them have implemented those. They're, you know, for the hospitals at Cerner or Epic, for the practices, it might be eClinical Works or NextGen or Athena. Those are a bit like a cell phone in many ways, because what a cell phone does is it does a lot of really good things for you. It allows you to call people and to send information and send messages. But what has to happen in both of those cases is there has to be a network that connects the cell phones together. There has to be a network that connects electronic medical records together. So what the Health Information Exchange really is, is the network that connects those electronic medical record systems together so that um, someone who's using um, um, eClinical Works, which is a common uh, electronic medical record system, can actually communicate in real time with someone that's using Athena or someone who's using GE-centricity or someone at the hospital that's using Epic. And so it's the network. It's sort of like the AT&T or Sprint or Nextel of the cell phone world. What we create is the Health Information Exchange. Healthy Paradigm is the network that connects all those electronic medical record systems together so they can talk. So the 48-year-old male C.W. Hall's all of my records can be housed there and flow from the health information exchange to another provider that I'm needing to receive care from is what you're saying? That's exactly right. So if you saw your primary care doctor in the morning and they were using one electronic medical record system and, and for some reason you had to go into the hospital emergency room that evening, the doctor in the emergency room would have access to all of the information from your primary care doctor that you saw in the morning. Now, let me make this point. It's an important point. Patients don't have to do this. It is an opportunity for them to choose to do it. So they can opt out and, and they can opt out and not share any of their medical records. But in most cases, what we find is very few patients do that because it's such an important part of making sure that a doctor has all of the information they need to provide the best care for you. Because sometimes, you know, patients don't maybe remember all of the medications that they're taking, or they don't remember what procedures they've had several years ago. And it's important for doctors to have that information to provide the best care. We've been talking with Susan Moore of Medical Association of Georgia and Laura McCrary of Camco Health Solutions. And she's also the executive director of the Kansas Health Information Network, learning a little about the work that they're doing there. And we were going to be talking about health e-paradigm. Talk about that and what it's all about. What this, how this partnership come together? Well, th this is where our life has become very exciting over the last last couple of years. We recognize that our physicians need to be connected and our healthcare providers. Uh, we've got a lot of opportunity. There are a lot of reasons why this is the right thing to do. But you heard Dr. McCreary talk about the process. This is a long, hard road. It's it's hard stuff. Why would we not want to be 
efficient and thoughtful? Why would we want to reinvent the wheel when our friends in Kansas have had five years of experience becoming one of the most successful health information exchanges in the in the country to the point where they now have over 9,000 providers in their health information exchange and 3 million patients. It doesn't take a lot of pondering to appreciate the value of having that much clinical data to have access to, not only to help the individual physician do patient care, but to step back and look at, wow, you know, what what can we learn from this to help our communities be healthier communities? You know, as we have gone along in this journey, we have just made it our our mission to establish a private statewide health information exchange to allow connected providers to securely share real-time patient information while employing analytics to help improve clinical outcomes reduce inefficiencies, positively impact patient safety, and also support community level and state initiatives that are currently in place to improve improve outcomes. So we, we have enjoyed this relationship. Uh, we're learning as we go. It's fun. It's rewarding. And as I've said to many people, I'm really thrilled to personally be at this point in my career where I see all of these things coming together. It's been a long, it's been a long road. And we're at a very good point where I think we're going to make some real progress in terms of improving health status. Are there other exchanges like this out there around our state? And if so, how is this different? We do have a health information exchange infrastructure in Georgia. We've got we've got actually a lot of players. We have um, our state network of networks, that's the Georgia Health Information Network, and we've got a number of regional health information exchanges, and we we also have some some private health information exchanges, such as the Morehouse um, School of Medicine. They have um, promoted a health information exchange as well. Um, so there are people in the space, but you know what? We have an awful lot of providers in our state. We have an awful lot of doctors, and heck, we haven't even started talking about the long-term care facilities or the the hospice organizations and and home health. We have 19,000 practicing physicians in Georgia. There is a lot of work for everybody to do. So we all need to be focusing on making those connections, because if you don't have those connections, if you don't have those community-based independent practices, you really don't have a valuable effort. At, at a state level. We have 7,800 members of the Medical Association of Georgia, and we know that some aren't connected. Some are, but, but a lot aren't. And we believe that we have the right solution to offer the physician community who's been on the fence, maybe, because we need them. We need them as a part of the infrastructure in Georgia. Being a medical society-led initiative we believe that we are bringing a level of, of trust, um, credibility, integrity uh, to our customers, i.e. the provider community. And we're, we're hoping that in addition to the quality of the project, that physicians will feel comfortable because they, we're, a known, we're a known quantity. You know, we are 
in this business because we like physicians and we are their advocates and we want them to survive and we want them to do well. We want them to exceed their own expectations in terms of delivering quality and being compensated through incentives for that. Now, does it cost my practice anything to get involved in one of these types of patient exchanges? And since we're talking about Healthy Paradigm, the Healthy Paradigm Exchange in particular? Well, there is a there is a fee. There is a subscription fee, a monthly fee. Uh, we do have a, little, a small distinction for member versus non-member. There also um, is a, a pricing structure for critical access hospitals and, and your regular uh, PPS hospital system situation. So, so yes, there is that monthly subscription fee, but we also are looking at, at other avenues. Uh, as, as you know, from our, our other programs where we focused on a lot of the federal initiatives, there's a lot of interest in this bigger, broader space of performance and, and improvement. All eyes are on the physician practices to, to deliver this to the environment. So, there are funds, there's a funding stream um, from the feds at the state level and other people such as our, our payers, they're getting very interested in being able to tie in the, the clinical data with the claims data. So while we are supported by, by the membership fees, there are other opportunities. And then to keep in mind that one of the values of utilizing the the CAMCO infrastructure is that we really are decreasing the cost in standing up this this initiative or 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 effort in Georgia. Well, I would consider this sort of like a like you would software as a service or an EMR. It's a there's a cost to it, but typically things like this come with an ROI of some kind. It sounds like as we were talking before we went on the air today that there's some good reasons why if I'm a practice I should be involved in the exchange. So why, if I'm a physician, why should I participate? So there's there's actually a lot of reasons to participate. And, wh- and what we've seen um, from the majority of our physicians is that a big part of that is really around patient safety, making sure you have all of the information you need about that patient at the time that you're seeing the patient. So that's critical. But as many of the, of the physicians who are listening today know, we've been going through a period of time where they had to implement electronic medical record systems in order to meet meaningful use. Mm-hmm. And meaningful use allowed the physicians to initiate have incentive payments for actually implementing an electronic medical record and, and sharing information. And now we're on sort of the backside of that where there's beginning to be penalties. But there's beginning to be some new opportunities on the horizon that we're all um, really paying attention to now, which is around the new MACRA um, legislation and the notice of proposed rule is out that allows us to start to get a glimpse of what's going to be happening even as soon as 2017, mm-hmm. uh, the first year of reporting, it, it appears to be January 1st of 2017, and then that will really drive incentive payments that will begin in 2019 mm-hmm. or penalties that begin in 2019. One of the things about participating in Healthy Paradigm is it helps you meet the requirements that you're going to have to have in order to receive those incentive payments. Just to give you an example, um, one of the categories of MIPS is called Advancing Care Information. And 
really what that means is can you move the information about the patient from one place to another, advancing the care information from one place to another. So that's really about health information exchange. Can you send information from your practice over to another practice or to a hospital that's um, providing care to the patient? So if you just participate in a health information exchange, right away you already meet one of those MIPS requirements. Another big part of that is advancing care to patients. So it's, it's, it's important to share information with providers, obviously, but it's also important to share information with patients about their own health care. And so one of the things that Healthy Paradigm provides is a personal health record for patients that cross all the providers that the patient sees. And you might have even experienced this yourself. What happens a lot of times now is patients may have two or three or even four personal health records. They may have a patient portal at their primary care doctor's office and then one at the specialty care doctor's office. And and it becomes difficult for patients to really manage that. They're trying to remember all those usernames and, and passwords. So what Healthy Paradigm provides is one patient portal that's connected to the health information exchange. So anytime any new information comes into that health information exchange, it's automatically sent to the patient, an email sent to the patient, an alert to let them know they've got new information. And that meets many of your requirements under MIPS. It meets your requirement for patient engagement. It meets your requirement for patient access to their own health information. It meets the requirement really for patients being able to communicate with their doctors through secure email. And so a lot of the opportunities that Healthy Paradigm provides just as a part of being a member of Healthy Paradigm will help you actually be successful in the new emerging payment models that we're going to see starting in what, three months, four months from now, starting on 2017. And so what we can show you when we sit down and talk to you is if you're participating in Healthy Paradigm, you will have already met most of the things that you need to do in order to receive the highest level of incentive payments with MIPS. So it's it's about improving patient care at the point of care, but it's also about keeping our doctors financially sustainable in this new environment. One of the things that I know physicians are certainly concerned about, I saw this firsthand talking with a couple of doctors not too awful long ago about pharmacogenomic testing, uh, the type of DNA type test that can tell a physician if CW actually turns on Plavix and it does what it's supposed to do or just passes through my body. If I'm one of those types of patients, then they can make choices around medications to prescribe me, knowing how my body processes those. Now, we were talking about one of the big things that they were asking me about is where does this information flow? Where does it go? Where does it get put? Where, because if I have this information at hand and I don't do anything with it, then obviously I'm at risk there. But didn't he showed me just some of the workflow of that particular EMR. He talked about pop-up fatigue, how it alert, 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 alert. And it has a bunch of different reminders about different things through the course of their day of, if he's going to refill a prescription, it's uh, it's another box he's got to click through and things like that. So as we talk here about healthy paradigm, we're talking about some sort of exchange, inter, you know, a portal of some sort where I need to go and access information. How does it affect my workflow? If I'm a physician, where do I go to access it? How do I get into it? 
Well, that's an excellent question because what we know is workflow is incredibly important to the utilization of this data. So if it's not actually part of the electronic health record system and you have to go somewhere else to go find it, it it's much more difficult to do that when you're trying to see patients. Right. So the new electronic medical record systems allow what's called a bidirectional interface, which actually allows information to be pushed to the exchange, but also for the exchange to automatically send that information back into the electronic health record system. And so it's um, it's a really nice way for doctors to be able to have all of the information that they need about the patient um, right within the patient's chart. Now, it doesn't populate the chart. The doctor actually has to choose, do I want to bring this information over on you know the procedures or bring this information over on allergies or on medications, but it is in the chart. Um, and so generally, like for example, with um, a big electronic medical record system like Epic, they'll query us, they'll hit the exchange at two in the morning for any patients that are scheduled in the next day. And all of that information then is pulled back into what's called the care everywhere or the community view in the Epic system for that individual patient. And then if the doctor wants to bring the information across, he or she can choose to do that. So it becomes part of the natural workflow for the doctor or the clinician. But one thing I would say is there is also a web-based portal. And that's important because sometimes there are organizations that don't have an electronic medical record system, like, for example, a long-term care facility or a um, hospice organization or a home health organization. And that web-based portal allows those organizations to log in and be able to access the information on the patients that they are responsible for caring for. So as long as they have a computer and they have access to the internet and they have a treatment relationship with that patient, they can see the information that came from the primary care doctor doctor's office or the specialty care or the hospital. So um, the goal is to make it as simple and as seamless as possible for the doctor. We've been talking with Laura McCrary, Senior Vice President of Camco Health Solutions and the Executive Director at the Kansas Health Information Network. The reason why we have her here is Kansas, as we talked about earlier, has been very successful in developing a robust patient information exchange with many providers and physicians participating in that. And as Susan was pointing out earlier, as many as 3 million patients. So clearly have a positive track record when it comes to establishing an IT solution like this that's actually going to be deployed and utilized. And we know that that's half the battle nowadays with technology when it comes to our medical practices. We can have it, but sometimes we don't use it. So the fact that uh, we've got an example here Partnering with the Medical Association of Georgia that will, I think, help educate more physicians on why should, why should I be a part of this? Why should I include information in this? This is Susan. And, and, you know, when we first got started, it was all about care coordination. It was all about what what that could deliver to the physician in terms of a longitudinal patient record, real time taking care of your patient. But it's interesting. We've as we've evolved, you know, while the market is still making connections, now we have this opportunity to deliver something of additional value to our, our physicians, and that is to help them meet some of the payment models. And, and so between those two, yes, care coordination is really critical. And, and my personal story with that is I have an 86-year-old aunt that I just transitioned to, to Georgia from Ohio, and I I picked my primary care physician because I'm just totally impressed. And uh, and so that's where my Aunt Margie went. And then they started doing the referrals to specialists all within that that network. And, and I 
just so sorry, made some assumptions that that I, that I was making that decision based on the fact that I would have that that primary care medical home would have access to all those respective results. Well, this is within the same, you know, the, the same integrated uh, network. And I was the one, not only was the information not being pushed, the primary care practice wasn't even pulling it. And that left it to me, who fortunately has some knowledge about the environment, to kind of do all the heavy lifting. And I think patients kind of assume that their doctors have all, all this information. And the fact that it isn't, that was for me a very, very striking uh, you know, reality check. Uh, and, and I know that we all in healthcare you know, have lots of stories where this disconnect has impacted our loved ones, maybe even caused safety issues or, or problems down the road because there was that, that disconnect. One of the things that was a surprising statistic is with respect to medical malpractice companies. You know, it's not the big, awful cases that that are big expenses for for these mutual companies. It's the small stuff that adds up. It's the the medication that that was mixed with another medication because uh, the contraindications were not appreciated with 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 other meds. There were other kind of missteps where where the information that was needed was not available. Um, and those are the kinds of incidents that lead to med mal claims that are that are very problematic for our malpractice carriers. And I've heard, I think, 60% of, of the claims are associated in some way, shape, or form with, with the inability to have the information at your fingertips when you need it. Mm-hmm. Now, is, is the exchange available now? If not, when will it be able to be used? It's available now. We are ready to get started. And so I would think if any of the listeners out there would like more information, you know, contacting MAG um, is really the way to go. We are excited to begin sharing this with everyone and get up and get started. When it comes to managing my patients, you talked about the fact that it populates the dashboard with information about the day. Talk a little bit about how I'll interact with it through the course of the day as I'm dealing with my patients? Well, it depends a bit on what electronic medical record system you're using. And so every electronic medical record system has a a little bit different workflow. But in general, what we're seeing emerging is uh, a bi-directional interface that allows that information to be pulled right into your patient's chart. So if you're seeing me today, the um, interface will have already pulled that information in, and then you can choose what information would automatically populate my chart, you know, Laura McCrary's chart. So you might choose to say, I want all medications that have come in from the exchange. I want all problems that have come in from the exchange. I want all allergies that have come in from the exchange, but maybe I don't want every single report that's come in from the exchange. Maybe you want all lab tests. So you make a decision about what would you like to automatically populate into my chart. And then the other information you have available at your fingertips to look at if you wanted to look at the, you know, the, the pathology report, for example, you would have it there. And then um, basically you have everything you need in order to be able to ensure that when you ha- have that conversation with the patient, you've got all of the most up-to-date information. And it is the most up-to-date information because the information comes in real time from some electronic medical record systems. And then in others, the way they do it is they send it in in something that's called a summary of care document or a continuity of care document. And that comes in as soon as the conclusion of the patient visit. So, so that information in most cases is almost real time. If I'm a patient and I, I'm presented with a 
physician or a healthcare organization point of of care that is not participating in the exchange is there is my portal as a patient that I can access my information does that help those non-engaged entities inter- interact with my information in any way or is it somewhat simple for them to then from that learning about it moment become participants it's it's really important for everyone to participate I mean, that's the critical piece. And Susan talked about this a little bit earlier. It's not necessary for them to all participate in Healthy Paradigm because there's other exchanges that are in the state and those exchanges are doing good work. And our intent is to connect to those exchanges to make sure that all of the information, no matter where the patient's received care, is going to be available to the to the doctor who needs it, who's providing the direct care at that moment. And so it's really important that all hospitals and all physician practices, and actually beyond that, even community mental health centers, hospice, and 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 organizations that provide direct home health care, um, optometry practices, all of those organizations provide care to patients, and they all have electronic medical record systems in most cases, and can start to participate and share data. and And it's really only when everybody is sharing data in the exchange that we really get the full value and benefit, because it could be that one doctor, you know, in in rural Georgia, has seen that patient and prescribed. A medication and the patient isn't able to report that to the, the doctor that they're seeing at the emergency room. And so it could be, as Susan said, it could be contraindicated with something else that's going on. So it's really important as we move forward for everyone to participate. To that point, yes, it is critical and people will make their own decisions about the health information exchanges that they're going to, that are going to be right for them. Mm-hmm. So we all have our 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 list of priorities for how we make make decisions. But we were talking earlier about how we are dis- distinguished from the other opportunities in Georgia. And, and those are some important distinctions. And one is that we are physician-led and, uh, and we have a physician advisory committee. It's not a huge committee. It's a very small and nimble committee. Uh, we think this is critical. We learned this from Kansas. We've learned it from uh, just observing successful HIEs across the country is that in order to be responsive to the changing environment that's changing on a daily basis, you know, you just need to be able to make decisions quickly. And so we're really pleased with the composition of our advisory committee. We're we're comfortable with the size of it and and. And these physician leaders are going to be key driving the products and services that we offer out to to our members. So um, having the physicians as a part of your governance is critical, and that is a distinguishing characteristic for, for healthy paradigm. With the portal that the patient has, am I able to upload things like wearable type data as well? There's I know there's some technology platforms out there that are accomplishing some similar things with a different focus that they're the, the, the companies that I interviewed are focused on giving CW the ability to put all his Fitbit data and his glucometer data and his blood pressure data and even EMR stuff I can import from my physician's EMR, por- EMR portal as well. And from there, I can actually aggregate all of my personal health information. And maybe I quit using my Fitbit, but I can still have the data from that, right? Is it possible for me to put personal information that's not flowing out of my physician's EMR? Into it is. That. So it, it's- is. It, it is. And I think that's a distinguishing factor. A healthy Paradigm uses what's called a personal health record, not a patient portal. 
And a personal health record really allows you to add information to that personal health record. It allows you even to store documents there that you might need. It allows you to have um, access in an emergency to your own health information so you could give it to an emergency care provider. It allows you to have patient-specific education. So um, not too long ago, one of my children um, had a rash and it was on the weekend and I was able to go into the personal health record and actually look up in a credible source information about my child's rash mm-hmm. rather than just going out to the internet and trying to find something there. It's also written at a reading level that's not too complicated, you know, because, you know, for me, it was kind of difficult to get through lots of, you know, difficult medical language. And so it was written in a way I could understand it and I could explain to the rest of my family members. It's also available in multiple languages. So if English isn't your primary language and Spanish is, it's available for you in Spanish and you can read it and print it off. Also, we have access to a wide variety of opportunities to be able to connect with, for example, the immunization registry here in Georgia. So that in Kansas, what we can do is, you know, and it's very good time this at this time of the year as children are going back to school and they haven't had their immunizations. And so now you can print off a certified copy of your child's immunization record for the school nurse. So we try to make sure that the personal health record is much, much more than just a patient portal. It's something that's very interactive with the patient and they're receiving regular updates anytime any new health information is available for them. They can connect their children there. So for example, my my personal health record also has two of my children that are still minors so I can get their health information. So we think it's something that really helps patients begin to engage in their own health care. And, and not only is that important to the health of the people in Georgia, it's also important to physicians who are now going to be moving into really needing patients to do a better job of managing their care and needing to have those abilities to be able to meet their MIPS and macro requirements. Are the electronic medical records now beginning to have fields that can incorporate some of that personal health information from things like Fitbits and personal glucometers and self-reporting that they're contributing? We're we're starting to see that. We're starting to see it. Um, It is one of the requirements that the electronic medical record vendors have to be able to have in place by 2018. So I would think you're going to start seeing more and more of that available as the sort of leading electronic medical record vendors are starting to get ready for what's going to be required, you know, a year and a half from now. So yeah, personal, the incorporation of patient information is very important. You had a thought, Susan? Oh, I mean, just talking about the patient engagement. Um, you know, we are hearing that a lot. Not only is it the right thing to do, but but the payers are are, are looking at that. And and to the extent that that we can really put our patients at the center of care. The more we do that, the better off we'll be with what whatever support tools. You know, we sometimes you get pushback and, you know, complaints that a patient's not compliant. You know, I I kind of wish we'd strip that description out of our vocabulary because there just might be a reason why there is noncompliance. Physicians and practitioners kind of assume a conversation has gone one way when mm-hmm. in reality, the on the receiving end, on the part of the patient, it's, it's a very different. What they've heard is, is very different. So to the extent that we can put our patients at the center and then have that data, which I can't think of a better professional to be the steward of that patient data than that patient's physician. It kind of rounds out that theory of the patient-centered medical home. And I'm excited 
about patient engagement. Um, actually, that was one of the the products associated with with this suite of of services that that really made me excited because that's kind of been my my area of expertise over the years, and and I'm glad to see patients being brought into the conversation in a really explicit, meaningful way. It sounds like there's some features within the the patient side of things that give them a reason to go in there outside of just seeing what their last blood pressure or their glucometer readings were. You mentioned, Laura, that there are capabilities to use the data that's housed on the exchange for some analytics. Can you talk about how you're able to uh, utilize that? What sorts of either predictive or or diagnostic, whatever you know, types of, of decision-making you're able to gain from that information? Well, I think there's really uh, a couple ways to think about that. One is, how do you use the data to really give um, information to providers in an actionable format? And let me, let me explain that. If you think about the way health information exchange works, generally it's pulling one set of information at a, at, about a patient at a time. So you've got a patient that's coming in today, Laura McCrary, and it's going to go out and it's going to query and look for any place that Laura McCrary's received care and pull that information back. That's great. That, that's super. But, but think about the fact that many practices may have 20,000 patients and they need to know what happened with those patients if something critical has happened, like they've been admitted into an emer- in the emergency room, or they've had a new diagnosis, or they've had new medications that have been prescribed, or, or something has occurred. So what the analytics allows you to do is provide aggregate information back to the doctor. So he can look across his entire patient panel, and he can say, gosh, you know, I'm looking at these patients and I see that we've got a patient now who has diabetes and, and she's got an A1C level now of 10. And we probably need to do some intervention there. Well, if they were just having to go in and look each patient up, they would never, ever see that. So the importance of the analytics is really to provide that actionable information when a doctor needs it to really have the ability to intervene when something critical has happened with that patient. So just to give you an example, one of the things that we do is we provide registry lists for doctors of all of the preventative care measures that their patients need. And the reason that's important is that many of the quality measures that they're going to be responsible not only now in meaningful use, but also in the future as they look at alternative payment models or MIPS are all focused on have your patients received the preventative care that they need to receive. Well, lots of times doctors don't know that. You know, I'll give you an example. So most women who go to a primary care doctor don't receive their mammogram there. Right. They're going to go down to the local hospital or to the imaging center in some cases, that information is going to get back to the primary care doctor. In some cases, it's not. Yeah. But ultimately, the primary care doctor is going to be held accountable on that quality measure. So it's very important to be able to tell the doctor, the primary care doctor, gosh, you know, she did get her mammogram. She got it down the street at the local hospital or imaging center. And now you can incorporate that information into your electronic medical record system so that your quality metrics can truly be reflective of the good care that you're providing to your patients. And that crosses almost all areas of preventative care. Most people are going to, some people get their flu vaccine at their primary care doctor's office. Some are going to get it at the local pharmacy, you know, and so that information needs to get back to the doctor so that his or her quality measures are, are the very best that they can be. Because now as we move into this new payment environment, quality really counts and it's going to count in terms of your reimbursement. Let me just mention one more thing in, in terms of the analytics. The other people who are very interested in this analytics are the payers. 
And to that end, in Kansas, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas now provides a 6% incentive payment to any doctor or hospital if they actually are sharing information in the exchange. Because the payers want to be able to have access on their members. They're not out looking at other patients. They want information on their members that they can't get from claims data. And that information is very important to them. For example, you know, many of them are doing what's called HEDIS reporting. And so they're reporting on the quality measures of the providers that, that they have on their, on their panel, on the provider panel for the insurance company. Well, the data in the exchange can help them improve their HEDIS scores. And that in turn generates more money for them. So what we're starting to see is enormous interest from the payers, all not, not just in Kansas, all across the nation on being able to have access to this real-time clinical data, particularly on things that don't come in on claims like lab results. They, they know that the lab's been ordered by the doctor, but they don't know what the result of the lab is. One of their HEDIS measures is how many patients have a diagnosis of diabetes and A1C values greater than nine. Well, they have no way of knowing that. They have to go out and they have to actually go into each physician's practice. They have to, you know, either send someone out to do that. And and so now the opportunity to have this data available is making the payers willing to actually invest considerable resources and pay our doctors more. So it's uh, it's the analytics is important on the provider side, but it's also important on the payer side. When it pushes information over, say that patient, you talked about a woman going to get a mammogram, does... Does the is it the report that's flowing over to me as the primary care physician, or do I actually get images as well? It's usually just the report. Sharing images is a much more complicated because images are very large. They take up a lot of bandwidth on the internet. They're slow to move, and so generally, what you're going to know is it was done. Okay. And here's the report that's associated with it. Now, if you want the image, there is some opportunities to do image exchange, and we actually in Kansas do image exchange, but it's predominantly for purposes of trauma. And so, what will happen is in Kansas, a patient will be injured, say in an agriculture accident, and they'll go to a critical access hospital. Studies will be done at the critical access hospital, and they'll decide that they need to transport to a trauma facility. Mm -hmm. And so they'll, you know, they'll air flight them into Wichita, which is one of our big trauma communities. We're two trauma hospitals. And then we'll share the images that were done at the critical access hospital. But more general routine image sharing is not as common. Well, with all the information that you ladies have shared, I'm sure we've got some listeners out there thinking, geez, I need to get involved with this. How do I get started? The answer is very simple. I am very uh, accessible. My name is Susan Moore, and my email is s-m-o-o-r-e at m-a-g dot org. And my phone number is 678-303-9290. We'll be happy to talk with you. We've got materials that we can send to you. We are going to be setting up a series of webinars. Uh, We are reaching out initially to the MAG leadership infrastructure, including the county medical societies that have a reach throughout the state for people that are interested. We've got presentations that we can make to the practice managers group. And and I I will digress a second and and mention following on on to to Laura's point and, and your question, CW, and that is the whole administrative burden to the practices to try to meet the payers' needs. And I think we will come to a day when the health information system and access to data will mitigate some of the administrative burdens that are currently facing practice managers and and physicians, whether it's setting aside a room with all the records 
So somebody can come in and actually spend five days going through records or with the pre-authorization process. You know, I think that that we will become more efficient as we have more providers and payers engaging in this environment. But we are we're just really excited about this. My title is third-party payer advocacy. To me, this is the new day for third-party payer advocacy. Our members, healthcare providers are going to need to do this to survive, not only for their Medicare patients, but as folks know, where CMS goes, other payers follow. Yep. And and so the time is now to really jump on board. This isn't going to go away. Macro's here in some way, shape, or form. And, and the train has left the station. And we would love for you all to jump on board and be your solution. Do you have some information about CAMCO or Kansas Health Information Network, Laura? Certainly. You know, um, you know the thing that is most important to understand here is that MAG is really leading the effort here in Georgia. And even though CAMCO is really the technical solution behind, um, you know, what's being offered through Healthy Paradigm, it's really a Georgia initiative. It's really led by the doctors in Georgia. And so we're sort of just in the background. If you want more information, you can go to healthyparadigm.com and Healthy Paradigm is H-E-A-L-T-H-E paradigm.com. And they've also got a Facebook page as well. We'll tie in with that just so you can get access to it through the show page. If you've not done so already, if you you are listening to the podcast, go to the upper left-hand corner of the show page. You'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Top Talks Radio Show podcast lives. And you can subscribe to us. So the new episode is downloaded straight to your device each week, ready for you to check it out whenever it's convenient for you. And we hope you turn around and share this information with your social media networks. Click share, put it out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, You might just be putting information in the hands of somebody that means something to you that makes a big difference for them. So we'll say thank you to the folks that bothered to do that for us. Laura, it was a pleasure to have a chance to meet you while you're here in town. And of course, Susan, great to have you sitting in with us on the mic today. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Any final thoughts before we let you all get back to the office? I just like to say how much I've enjoyed being in Georgia. It's a beautiful state and the people here are so kind and I just really appreciate being here. So thanks. To our folks over at Medical Association of Georgia, Donald Pomisano Jr., Tom Cornegay, Lori Murphy, and of course, Susan Moore here. They've been great partners introducing us to some fantastic guests along the way that have really shared some information that I think will benefit the patient community as well as the medical uh, practitioners around the state of Georgia as well and beyond. So uh, really appreciate getting the chance to meet you and uh, share this information with our folks. We look forward to catching up with you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 